Digital 410 Productions proudly presents the Fail to Fail podcast with your host, Don Abernathy. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fail to Fail podcast. I'm your host, Don Abernathy, and thank you so much for joining us on this cold, chilly Tuesday night in Fort Myers, Cape Coral, Florida. I just got done running eight miles. I was hoping to get in 10, but with the wind chill, it was a cool 47 degrees and I was freezing. And the more I ran, the wet, wetter I got and the colder I got. But hey, you know, um, I took a week off running. I was busy last week. And whenever I have a World War II event coming up, I try to uh, cut out the exercise and going to the gym to prevent the risk of injury that would prevent me from doing a event that I have been planning for months. But I noticed uh, a little a advantage, if you will, a little benefit that came from all my constant running and working out. We did a tactical event. I'm not going to get into the minutia, all that. Just for what it's worth, a tactical event is when you do a World War II reenactment without public. You're just out there with the guys doing your thing. It's more realistic. And we did about eight miles. And I took a quart of water in my canteen. I put four bottles of water in my haversack. And we went out. We were out in the woods for four hours. Uh, pushing, shooting, this and that. After the tactical was over, we all piled up into a deuce and a half and we're riding back. And a couple of guys were asking if anybody had water. And I realized in the past I would be consuming a lot of water. Now, one thing, this was in Georgia and it was only like 72 degrees. And since I'm used to reenacting in Florida, um, it was like a nice cool day. But I discovered um, we did eight miles and I only drank a half of my quart of canteen water. And I still had the four bottles in my haversack, my backpack, if you will. So I started distributing water to everybody because all their canteens were dry. And I realized all the running, all the long distance running I do has had a benefit in my other hobbies because now I can go out to an eight mile march, if you will, or spend four hours moving eight miles doing a battle scenario and only consume a half a quart of water when it's 72 degrees out, even though I'm in full gear. And so I found that interesting that... Um, my exercise, not only do I look better in my uniforms and I feel better and I can do these events without dying of a heat stroke and, you know, being out of breath, but um, I can actually do it without consuming large amounts of water. And so I thought that was an interesting turn of event and kind of a cool little benefit for all the exercise and all the um, fitness that I've been getting into. And that's what this episode is going to be about. I know the last few episodes have been about fitness, but we're kind of on a roll um, you know, probably the next episode will go completely down the other aspect of life. You know, we're not a fitness per se podcast, but, you know, we're about reaching personal goals and failing to fail. And so part of failing to fail is to succeed. And a lot of it has to do with uh, betterment of your life. And so that's what this episode is going to be about. This is going to be more about diet. I'll bring our guest on here shortly. Real quick, as you know, this episode of Fail to Fail podcast, as well as all the episodes of the Fail to Fail podcast, are brought to you by our friends at At Computers. At Computers has been providing IT support for all of Southwest Florida since 2004. Now, I know what you're saying. Hey, I'm listening to you from Kansas. I'm not in Southwest Florida. How can At Computers help me? How can it help you? By using At Computers, easy. As long as you have internet connection, At Computers can help you in multiple ways. One, they can log in your computer remotely with your permission to fix your computer. If you're having printer problems, virus problems, uh, weird problems, anything that you're having problems with your computer, as long as your internet's working and it works well enough that they can log into your computer remotely, they can help you out. So give them a call at 239-283-1120. Or if you're concerned about hard drive crashes, viruses, encryptions, malware, um, ransomware back up your data make sure your data is safe make sure your peace of mind is safe your hard work your taxes all your personal stuff make sure all that is safe in a backup and the easiest way to back up is online backups because it's done automatically and it takes out the risk of human error 
So right now, give at computers a call at 239-283-1120. Say the word podcast, and they will help you back up all your data for $0.07 a gig per month for the entire year of 2020. Once again, it's $0.07 a gig per month for the entire year of 2020. So give them a call at 239-283-1120. They also have other services to form authentication. If you need the ability to log into some of your remote um, work securely, they can help you with um, some remote software. So give them a call 239-283-1120 or go to act-capecoral.com. And while you're on the internet, head on over to failtofailpodcast.com. You'll find an Amazon link right there. Please click on that Amazon link. Save it to your toolbar, save it to your desktop. I don't care where you put it, just save it somewhere. And the next time you shop on Amazon, please use that link and they will collect a few coins, put it in an account. And after three months, they will send those coins our way and that'll help, uh, that'll help support the show, help us buy more equipment, help us uh, do better things, maybe go to events. Um, it just, it goes to help everything here at the Digital 410 Network, not only with the Fail to Fail podcast, but with the Waterman and D-Train Show podcast, the What's the Scuttlebutt podcast, our YouTube channel, everything. So if you want to help what we do here at Digital 410, uh, use that Amazon link. And while you're there, go ahead and click on that Patreon link and sign up for one of our tiers. The first tier is a dollar a month. The second tier is $3.50 a month. And the last tier is $7.50 a month. And if you sign up for the $7.50 a month after month two, I will send you a free t-shirt as a thank you. And in regardless of what tier you sign up for, if you sign up for Patreon, you'll have access to our Patreon exclusive podcast, the What's in Your Head podcast. Um, we have different content. We do about uh, two to three shows a month, different hosts, different people, different things, different topics. And we just get into some stuff that, uh, you know, may not have a home on any of our other podcasts, or maybe it's something that... We don't want to share with the public per se, but we feel comfortable sharing it with you. And of course, you can purchase a Fail to Fail podcast shirt right from the failtofail.com. So those are all the best ways to support the show. Obviously, the best way to support the show is to tell your friends. Share our Facebook page on your Facebook. Uh, recommend us. We are on Apple iTunes. We are on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Music Play. We are located everywhere fine podcasts are found. So please share us with your friends. And uh, thank you for everything, and thank you for supporting the show. This week on the Waterman and D-Train Show. So what'd you have going on this weekend? Me personally? Yeah. Dude, bro, man, I had Bacon Fest. Bacon Fest. What exactly goes on at Bacon Fest? Well, I can tell you this much, there wasn't no bacon. What do you mean? There's no bacon at Bacon Fest? I did not see what it was. Well, did you smell bacon at Bacon Fest? Nope. Didn't even what? smell bacon at Bacon Fest, man. I was under the impression that the whole point of Bacon Fest is they're going to have a bunch of different products all wrapped in bacon. That's what I thought. That's what I had, you know, envisioned. But uh, everything that I saw, no, nah, no, nah, really, that uh, didn't see much bacon at all, man. You know, the jail is right there. The bands are jamming, loud, rocking, and I, and I'm sitting there and I looked over and I'm like, you know, the jail's right there. I was like, you know what? It's that loud. I wonder if they can hear it inside inside the jail right there. I'm going to make a very controversial statement. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what's the population of the people in the jail who are fans of Van Halen? Well, <laughs> you know how, what? How many 1980s rockers and hairband aficionados locked are locked up in the yeah. holding cell of the jailhouse waiting to go to court before they're <laughs> sent off to either release Right. Or to prison for long terms. Yeah. And joining us now via Skype is a guy that I've been aware of uh, through many different channels for probably about a year or two, more likely two years. 
I am uh, stoked to have him on and joining us now via Skype. He is the uh, spreader of NSNG, fitness guru, Vinny Tordridge. Vinny, how are you doing today, sir? <laughs> you make it sound like I'm spreading some deadly disease. He spreads NSNG. Well, it depends on what side of depends on what side of the aisle you're on. If you're one of these people who uh, <laughs> watch my fat, fabulous life on TLC every weekend, you probably are spreading a disease because you're uh, counterintuitive to what uh, the pop culture is trying to spread with their full body length mannequins at Target and everything else going on. Yeah, you know, it's funny, you know, it, it, you know, when you see these shows and I get it, you know, we have we have a, a, an epidemic of, of, of morbid <clears throat> obesity out there mannequins, mannequins are now bigger and, you know, models are bigger and uh, the hottest pop star out there besides um, Billie Eilish is uh, Lizzo mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And. They're going, hey man, I'm loud and proud, and you know I'm I'm heavy and the whole thing, and that's and, and you know what, more power to you, and uh, you know, I'm not going to be a Jillian Michaels here and go, oh, you know, but Jillian kind of had a point. Um, what are we pushing? I mean, okay, Lizzo is is heavy. She's she's morbid. Let's call it what it is. She has morbid obesity. That means. If you continue, you will die of your obesity. It also means, boy, we really came out of the gate swinging here. Um, <laughs> it, it also means that before you die, you will be a burden onto the state, meaning, you know, you, there's going to be health care issues and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And that makes the insurance costs go up for everyone else. I'm using Lizzo as an example, but this is everyone who's morbidly obese, you know, so Lizzo times bazillions, right? Sure. And and you're not going to have a happy life. Let's just, let's call it what it is, you know. Um, or a long life. diabetes, you can go blind, you can uh, lose a leg or two or, you know, lose limbs, right? And on and on and on. So it's not like you're just going to have, it would be nice if you just had a quick heart attack and you died, but you're going to cost us a lot of money. You're going to cause insurance rates to go up and you're going to be miserable as you're dying. They're going to be cutting pieces off. So if that's a real reason to celebrate, knock yourself out, go enjoy yourself. I have, you know, I have nothing to say to you. That's on you. Well, I think we but all can be healthy. There's another way. I think we can all agree that a lot of the um, unintended consequences are based off of good intentions. And sure, we don't need to go out and verbally assault and physically assault overweight people. But when it gets to the other end of the spectrum where we're now kind of uh, becoming um, – well, I can't remember the word I'm thinking of. But when we come to the point where we're now we're almost propping up the lifestyle saying, hey, go for it. There's nothing wrong with being that way. Yeah, socially there's not. But physically and health-wise there is. And the reason I brought up TLC is I was thinking last night if you came from another planet or another country and you're not familiar with TLC or anything like that, you turn it on and you see this show, uh, you know, My 600-Pound Life, where people are obese, they're trying to go lose weight through uh, different medical means, and you would think, wow, this channel is really trying to get the message out there about, you know, healthy lifestyle and not being super obese, but then they go to commercial break and they have an advertisement for their show about My Big Fat Fabulous Life, and it's kind of like, well, what message are we delivering here? Yeah, I, I think a lot of times we're, we're delivering the wrong message. Um, and, you know, like I said, it's not good. Sure. You know, um, now, look, if you had this is my 600 pound life, 
and you, I, I, I've never seen the show. I just know it exists. And, you know, they said, look, you know, and these people are like physically looking for a way to heal themselves. Well, that's a great idea. Well, right? basically that's a great show. the premise of the show is there are people who are 600 pounds or higher. Uh, they usually live in bed. They get out of bed far enough to crap in a bucket. And then at some point they realize they're dying and they go see a guy in Texas to try to get, um, you know, the sleeve or stomach bypass and all that stuff. So it's basically their, their travels of trying to get, um, you know, medical surgery to help them lose weight. But you, you brought up a good point. We jumped right out of the gate. Let's, for the people who aren't familiar with Vinny, uh, let's start, let's go back a few years. Um, how, you know, let's put a little groundwork, a baseline of how you got to be where you're at and why people should listen to you when it comes to some of this stuff. I know you're from New Orleans, correct? I am. Uh, I, I grew up in the deep south. I grew up on a bayou outside of New Orleans, uh, Bayou Lafourche, and um, I went to New Orleans uh, to, to be educated. I went. I graduated from Tulane University after high school, <clears throat> and uh, kind of started my career there back in the early '80s, yeah, um, helping people. You know, I, I saw obesity on the rise, and and look, nobody comes out with a an exercise physiology and a nutrition degree and go, Hey, I'm going to take the world by storm. Sure. You sure. look around and go, who can I help? Mm-hmm. You know, how can I help? What can I do? You, you know, you're never going to be rich. And as a matter of fact, you just hope that you make enough money to be able to buy a house one day or something, you know, a modest house. And, um, my career started taking me all over the place. Um, you know, it took me from New Orleans to Aspen, Colorado to work with wealthy people. And somehow some of those wealthy people were from L.A. And before I knew it, I was going out to L.A. And and I wasn't just working with morbidly obese people anymore. I was working with celebrities. And it's, it's not where I wanted to be, but, you know, you make more money doing that. And I, I got kind of comfortable with the money sure. and said, OK, well, I'll just move out here. Um, and do this and became, I guess, you, you know, the, the old quote unquote, one of the first celebrity trainers back way back when, you know, you, you're talking to ground zero, I guess. So that's kind of the, the elevator pitch as to who I am. Well, the, one of the other benefits of having, doing celebrities, not only do their checks clear, but a lot of them, especially if they're active movie stars, they're motivated by a paycheck themselves because now they're either trying to gain weight for a role or gain muscle mass for a role. And, uh, you know, the studio's pushing them. So, you know, that I would assume, obviously I haven't been there, but I assume that they're a little more motivated than the um, average Joe counterpart who, you know, for New Year's or whatever, for health reasons, they want to lose weight, but they don't have the financial motivation behind that weight loss as a celebrity or a movie star would. Well, even even a little further than that, um, Don, it's, you know, celebrities, people think that they're kind of coddled and this and that. The one thing you have to know about celebrities is that these are tough MFers, mm-hmm. man. They, these are highly competitive. Like the people that are at the top of their game, you think of like um, I, I don't know uh, Bruce Willis. I'm just I, I just thought sure. of a you know celebrity. Um, you go okay, oh yeah, these guys are Molly cobbled and this and that. No, these are guys that wake up in the morning and they go okay, how do I get to that next rung on the ladder? And it's not really the studios; uh, it's their agents. Okay, you know, like they'll say, hey, hey Bruce. I'm using Bruce as an example. Sure. He was never a client of mine. Um, Hey, Bruce, uh, you got to put on 
20 pounds of muscle for this next film, or you got a little punch there, we need you to lose that punch. Um, you're going in for an audition in, in a couple of weeks, or the studios want to see you in a couple of weeks. We want you to go work with this guy, Vinny. Now, that makes it easy for me because 25 years ago, 30 years ago, if, if I told someone to eat a piece of bacon, they would go, you're crazy. I'm mm -hmm. going to die of a heart attack, right? Oh, absolutely. Or I want you to eat more red meat. I want you to have a ton of eggs. You would go, you're nuts. You're out of your mind. Yeah, I can't. Heart attack, right? I can't eat red meat. I got to go have pasta and carbs, and you know, I you know, the red meat's way too. That's bad for my heart. It's going to clog me up. Exactly. So, but when you tell that to Bruce Willis, who might have put on a little punch in the off season, he's going to go. I don't. I don't care what it takes. If this guy's telling me to eat bacon around the clock and I'm going to lose my gut, so be it. You know, I got to go make a living. You know, and. They're going to do whatever you tell them to do, even if they think it might kill them. They'll go, well, in the short term, bacon's not going to kill me. So they would follow what I would tell them to do for three, four, six, eight, ten, twelve weeks, you know, depending on how much time we had. Mm -hmm. You know, and they would even tell me, man, I can't wait to get off of this fat, heavy diet, man, my, you know, my cholesterol and my diet. You know, all these things, and I would just have to sit there and go, mm -hmm, all right, whatever, just listen to me. And they would all lose weight. You know, they would all look the way and they would get lean body mass and whatever we had to do. And so it was easy for me because these people had big mortgages to pay and Absolutely. they were going to do whatever it took to pay that mortgage. And I think it's a little easier to deliver your message when you not only live the lifestyle, but you kind of live it for everything it's worth. I mean, you do long distance bike rides, correct? I did. Uh, I don't anymore. Um, now that I've moved across country, I'm not living Congratulations. in Virginia. There's the uh, Appalachian Trail here, so I, uh, you know I still have I still have all my road bikes. Um, my passion has been paddling. I've been paddling uh, sea kayaks for a couple of years. I, I did do uh, some long range stuff last summer. I climbed uh, Grand Paradiso in Italy and Mont Blanc in France. So I still have the bug to go long, you know, long athletic things. Uh, there's a hundred mile bayou in Louisiana I want to do in a kayak. And I kind of want to do it nonstop, except for at night. I'm going to stop at night and pick up right at daybreak the next day. Um, but I think I could do the whole thing in 24 hours. That's insane. Um, so I'm still doing that kind of stuff. And the mountain bike, because of the AT trail, it's just that with everyone texting on the road and everything, it's no, it's not worth it to be on a bicycle on the road anymore. Not for me, at least. I kind of feel the same way about motorcycles here in the state of Florida. Um, not only, you know, snow, snowbird traffic, tourists not knowing where they're on, but then you add the um, people being on their cell phones and just, it's just insane. You know, for me, in my opinion, you know, I grew up around people who have motorcycles. Look, if you live out in the middle of nowhere and you can go right on a road that doesn't have a stoplight every five feet and people continuously turning in and out of commercial properties, have at it. But especially like here in Cape Coral, you ride a motorcycle around here, you're literally taking your life in your own hands because, one, people aren't paying attention. Two, you got a bunch of 90-year-olds driving around. And three, the people from out of state don't know where the hell they're going. And so they're doubling down by looking at their GPS the whole time. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm trying to, while you were saying that, I'm trying to remember what year I sold my last two motorcycles. I was a big, big fan. Yeah, I used motorcycles in L.A. almost my entire time there. Sure, because you can split lanes and get to where you got to go quicker. Yeah, well, yeah, you had to. To do the kind of business I did, you had to be on a motorcycle. Um, 
let's call it 2014, maybe 13 or 14. I had my last close call on the freeway where if I hadn't had, you know, track riding skills, I would have been dead. Um, and I, I just, you know, I, you know, I went home and I told Serena, I said, put these two up on wherever you put bikes on to sell them yeah. and um, just get rid of them with the assumption that I was going to go out the next weekend and buy an off-road bike. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I was like, okay, to go ride an off-road bike in LA, you have to go out to the desert. You got to go out to Glamis. Yeah. It, it, it becomes a deal, you know, and now maybe I'll do that here now that I'm in Virginia. But again, you would have to put it in a truck and carry it somewhere. And I don't know. You know, I lived in Long Beach for three years and I always thought it was kind of funny or ironic when you're talking to these, uh, doom buggy guys or the off-road bikers like yeah i was out in glamis last week and you know on a good week and one guy loses their life it's like well not for the guy who lost his life but you'd always hear about how in glamis on a good week and only one person died it's like yeah. the wild west out there yeah it's, it's kind of crazy and you hear that kind of stuff all the time and i like i'm 56 i'm 50, i'm 57 and um I, i'm kind of you know it's like all right those days are kind of over with sure you know, I, 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 I you know, lot, lot slower. I, I rather pedal the bike on the mountain and, and uh, paddle a kayak and you know, hike up long, steep hikes. You know, that's good enough for me. Let's get to the brass tacks, the old let's get to brass tacks, which I know where that saying comes from, but I won't waste your all's time with that. Obviously, when you're getting into fitness and you want to get into shape and all that good stuff, um, going to the gym without a good diet is just a waste of time. You're not going to see the results you're looking. If you're going to the gym four hours a day, but you're going to McDonald's, Wendy's, you're just eating crap all the time. You're pretty much you're you're screwing yourself out of potential, um, you know, results. And so clearly, someone in your line of work whose job it is to get people in shape for whatever reason, whether it's through work or personal fitness, um, diet is key. And that's one of the things you've really been pushing lately. Well, not lately, but for the longest time. But now with your new documentary, Fat the Documentary. And you're, um, you know, you're spreading the gospel of NSNG and trying to get that out there. For those who aren't familiar with the no sugar, no grains, let's get a little bit into the diet side and why diet is so important, not only in fitness, but in daily life. I mean, you got these people who go to the gym, they run, but then they drink diet soda all day and thinking there's nothing wrong with that. Let's get a little bit into diet and how diet affects the uh, body and your life. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I, I actually have the, the trademark on the term NSNG. Um, and have been for a long time. And that's why you don't see it on any products. If any product ever pops up with it, then I get to sue them into non-existence. Um, well, I heard but, you brought up on your current podcast that, you know, whenever you see something branded keto or what have you, that you kind of feel like if a diet's worth doing, it doesn't need branded products out there to spread the word. Exactly. And, you know, um, you know, you'll see keto, the word keto is not owned by anyone. It's just, it's an abbreviation of a ketogenic and or ketogenic. And, uh, so you, you know, you know, you can, anyone can put keto, anyone can put paleo on the food, anyone can put vegan on the food. So whenever I created NSNG <clears throat> back when I, I wrote my book, I decided to trademark and people said, are you trademarking so you can make money later? I went, yeah, maybe, but more so I'm trademarking it. So no one else can, can go and bastardize the brand. <clears throat> That's why the brand, as a matter of fact, I'm in talks with someone right now about using it on a product. 
but I would have full control of the product, you know, where, you know, if they ever changed any of the ingredients, they can't use an S and G anymore. Um, so that's how important it is to me. Yeah. You don't need any special products. You don't need any potions or powders or, you know, you know, special shakes or whatever you have, you know, to do it. It simply means cut out sugars, cut out grains, no sugars, no grains in S and G. Um, well, I can't remember where we were going with this. I, I went off on a tirade. That's right. Now, basically, we were kind of going through your timeline, but I brought the fact that, you know, you can go to the gym and do fitness all you want, but if your diet sucks, you're going to minimize your potential for, um, you know, personal records and, and gains. You know, if you're trying to lose a bunch of weight, but you're drinking diet soda all day and you're still eating fast food and carbs and heavy sugars and all that, you're really not going to see the... Um, the results that you want when you're doing your, your exercise and not only exercise, but life. I mean, you sit there, drink diet soda all day. It's going to kill your kidneys. Well, <clears throat> you're exactly right. You can't outrun a bad diet. That's just the bottom line. Um, you know, people, you know, I hear people all the time, but you know, and look, people used to say this when I would train them, they would go, Hey man, um, you're training me now. So I can, uh, <laughs> you know, I can just do whatever I want. Right. I mean, I could just say, like, no, no, it's not a license to go out there and do whatever you want. Not at all. Not even a little bit. You know, um, as a matter of fact, there is no outrunning a bad diet. You have to, you have to do the do. You have to do the work. And if you're not willing to do the work um, on the diet, you're not going to get any results on the exercise part. If that makes any sense. Sure. I mean, I've lost forty pounds, and people I haven't seen in a while. Like, what's your secret? I'm like, well, this is going to be really disappointing for you. There is no secret. It's the same thing Jack O'Lane's been saying since the fifties: exercise and eat right. There is no pill. Yeah. There is no diet. You're not going to go into. You know, I just I saw the new Weight Watchers commercial the other day, and everybody has to put abbreviations for everything. So now Weight Watchers is calling themselves WW, and so their website's www.ww.com. But no. The Weight Watcher stuff, none of that's really going to work because, once again, now you're spending money on bastardized foods that taste like crap so that you can lose a few pounds. But that's not sustainable because diets don't work. Lifestyle changes do. And if you're not willing to change your lifestyle, then you know diets are only temporary. Well, you do realize why they went with WW, right? Why is that? Um because weight's got a bad connotation to it. Well, Weight Watchers, you, you know, they're they're worried about the shaming. You know, no. people, oh, well, what, you know, watching you talk my people, weight. You know, watching and fat, you know, watching weight, you know, and they figured it had a bad, a negative connotation. You know, a lot of companies, you know, they took a page right out of um, KFC. KFC, yeah, they had fried chicken in their title, mm-hmm. and people realized fried chicken wasn't the healthiest way to go, so they went with KFC. And, of course, they don't tell you that. They tell you something different. They say, oh, no, it's not that. Basically, what we're saying is, you know, the kids like to use abbreviations. So mm-hmm. that's why we did it. But that's that's bullshit. That's well, not why we did it. Well, it's kind of like when the Internet first came out and grew popularity in, like, the late 90s. Like, companies like BP, uh, their formal logo was a capital B and a capital P. Now it's all lowercase because very few people use capital letters on the Internet. And so you'll actually see now – name brands that drop all the capital letters because they're trying to be hip and cool and go with the whole internet side. Yeah. But in Weight Watchers is no different, but they, they, yeah, they, they had, you know, Oh, you know, we're shaming people by telling them to watch their weight. We don't want to be part of this. So it's, it's the lunacy is just 
crazy making. It's just all crazy making. It really is. You made reference to your book earlier, which I believe was called Fitness Confidential, correct? Yeah. And you came out with that, and then that kind of got the word about the no sugar, no grains. And then one of the things, kind of back to what you're saying about, you know, if a diet works, yeah, you, you put a copyright on it because you could potentially own money, you know, make money on it future. But the one thing you did that most quote unquote diet experts did don't do is you put out a free PDF on everything you need to know about NSG. If you want to do the NSG lifestyle, go to my website, download the PDF. Here it all is. It's free. Have at it because you want people's lifestyles and their health to, to improve. Well, you know, it's funny because uh, according to uh, every expert I talk to, I've done it backwards. Okay. Uh, because I don't really capitalize on my brain, my brand the way I, I, I could at all, not even a little bit. Sure. Um, you know, in other words, uh, you know, the book. I, I tell people, hey, I have a book if you want to read it, and it'll cost you. I don't know, somewhere between 12 and 15 bucks, or if you get the audible copy, I don't know what audible charges or whatever. I make a couple of nickels and dimes off of every copy sold. And I would be lying if I didn't tell you it made me a lot of money because it did. You know, the book was wildly popular and it still makes money every year, it's still being sold. Um, but uh, I, at some point, about two or three years after the book came out, I realized that I didn't put enough of a prescription in the book. So I put a PDF on my website, the one you're talking about, and it's 26 pages of, hey, if you want the Reader's Digest version of what to do, and look, people have lost two and 300 pounds from just reading, and I think we have one guy that's over 400 pounds lost, um, reading that PDF. So tens of thousands of people have lost hundreds of pounds, we, you know, millions of pounds have been lost based on that uh, PDF. Is completely free. There is no, um, there is no, you, you know, you got, now you got to sign up for my course and pay for that. And mm -hmm. there's no bait and switch. Yeah. It's all, uh, have you ever downloaded it, Don? Um, I was getting ready to download it last night, to be honest with you. Okay. You'll notice when you go to it, it's free. Yep. And that there is no upcharge. And it's, oh, now if you want the whole thing, it's all there, and that's the one thing that confuses everybody. It's yeah, because like, they're used to entering well, that. Making money. Yeah, they're used to entering that credit card. So after the free thirty days, I'm going to charge it. But there's there's none of that nonsense. There's no, hey, I need your credit card for six months down the road. It's here. It is. It's free. Download it. If you need anything, yeah. let me know. It's done. It's done and done. And you know the funny part is is it's been downloaded several hundred thousand times now. So my accountant brings this up to me from time to time. He goes, you do realize you're paying for bandwidth. <laughs> yeah. He goes, look, 200,000 times times 10, you could have made a couple of million, you know, if I charge 10 bucks for it, sure. right? He goes, you could have made a couple of million dollars by not lifting a finger. And I, I know. And uh, he goes, well, what's wrong? It, literally, you know, because accountants only understand money coming in. Sure. It becomes, what's wrong with you? And I said, well, you know, that's why I created Pure Vitamin Club and Pure Coffee Club. And he goes, oh, so you're telling people to go there, right? All my rich friends go, oh, you're telling people to go there, right? And you won't be really healthy unless you take this guy's vitamins and drink his coffee. It's like, no, I've never done that, not even once. I've never explained to people that in order to have optimal health, they must take Pure Vitamin Club vitamins. Nor will I ever do that. No, because yeah. you know those people who are going out on their own, tracking you down, taking their time to download the PDF, 
if they're reading through it and they're living the lifestyle and they see the results, they're going to know that Vinny's not full of shit. And I want to go back to Vinny's site and see what else he has going on. And then, you know, you're, you're building a trust there because you didn't start raking people over the coals from day one. And the fact that you're not including paragraph C, subsection four, oh, by the way, now that you've gotten to week 13, I advise you go here and do this and that. None of that nonsense is in there. So people start trusting you and you're brutally honest with people. Yeah, uh, I I don't have time not to be, <laughs> not to be honest. Sure, I guess uh, I, I, life is just kind of really too short, you know, to play that game. So it's just easier for me to go, hey, look, here's the truth, here's how it works, you know, do this, everything will be fine, you know, and I don't have to worry, you know, as long as people buy Pure Vitamin Club vitamins, as long as my coffee company does well, I can keep doing what I love for virtually free. I say virtually free. There's a couple of things. You can buy t-shirts at my site or uh, I don't know. What else do I have? I, oh, there's like a 10 for 10 where if you want to listen to the 10 best podcasts I've ever done with some of the biggest luminaries in the world, you, you, you pay 10 bucks for that. But I tell people, you don't have to buy that. You can just go read the PDF. Uh, but some people like to listen, so they buy that. Um, and then there's the movie. I don't know if we, if you were planning on going in the direction of the movie. Yeah, I was going to bring up the movie here shortly before we get onto that because I did watch that about two months ago because um, I yeah I streamed it on Amazon Prime. Um, before right. we, before we get into that, I just want to get a little bit of uh, kind of what we referred to earlier about how food can affect people's bodies, and there's different scientists coming out with that. Um, but one of the reasons I bring on different types of people to this particular podcast is what I have learned through my own personal experience is that people are motivated by different things. And one of the examples I give is obviously I lost 40 pounds. I got in the running after I hurt my elbow at the gym and had to take time off from the gym. I've now done five 5Ks, a 10K, and I'm going to do my second Savage Race. But during this whole time where I'm eating, you know, I stopped going to fast food. I cut out all the sodas after my second kidney stone. Now I'm eating high proteins and the weight was falling off. Um, my fiance Carrie, you know, she's watching me and she made no lifestyle change. It didn't motivate her at all because she has lupus and fibromyalgia. And um, having lupus, one of the things that she went out to, and did was she went out and joined some of these lupus uh, groups on Facebook. And the craziest thing about these specialized groups on Facebook is even though a lot of the people have good intentions, you always have those people who want to show off how much knowledge they have by talking shit about everything that you bring up on there. It don't mm-hmm. matter if you're a parrot owner and you want to find out the best way to take care of your parrot, you'll, the time you're done with this Facebook groups, so you'll feel like everything you're doing is wrong. But one of the things the lupus people are big into is the theory of spoons. And what the theory of spoons is, is when you wake up each day, you won't, you have a bowl full of spoons and every activity you do uses one spoon and you cannot refill it until tomorrow. And so she's seeing me out running, going to the gym, doing all this stuff. And she's like, well, I can't do this. I don't have enough spoons. I can't physically get into shape because I have lupus and it's holding me back. Fast forward a year or two, we ended up adopting a, a young girl, and um, she had been in foster care for five years. Her, um, she comes from a Hispanic background. She's on the verge of fatty liver disease, um, on the verge of type 2 diabetes, and we took her to a uh, doctor, and they gave us a health plan, um, which, Vinny, I thought of you when um, I got the, um, the dietitian's recommendation where they said, diet soda, drink all you want. I was like, okay, this guy's clearly a quack. But anyhow... Yeah. Um, just by our change of diet, meaning, okay, we're not going to buy potato chips in the house. We're going to cut down the carbs. We're going to eat no more fast food, eat high proteins. We still do the rice and stuff. 
But simply by proxy of us controlling the food we bring into our house with no physical change in her life, Carrie lost 40 pounds just by no longer bringing the crap in the house so that our daughter can't eat it by proxy. And then one day she was on Facebook and she discovered that a woman she works with at the school also has lupus, but is out running 5Ks and doing Spartan races and all this. And that completely turned her perception of what lupus does to her body upside down because up until then, everything she read was, well, if you have lupus, you can't do shit. You got to sit on, you know, you don't have energy, don't have energy. And just by seeing her one friend with lupus doing running and all that, she now runs with me. She's done uh, two 5Ks now. And she runs probably four nights a week. I got her up to doing three miles a night. And seeing me do all this stuff didn't motivate her. But seeing somebody who has the same condition she has, that motivated her. And that's why I try to bring on different people because you never know what's going to motivate people. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, uh, You know, it's funny. You know, Serena will tell me something five times and I'll go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'll see something somewhere else, and I go, "Hey, honey," she goes, "Yeah, I've been telling you about that for months." You know? <laughs> yep. um, so there's that. <laughs> um, but you know, I I wrote about this in my book, uh, Fitness Confidential. Um, my friend Caroline, uh, we'll call her Caroline because okay. that's actually her name. Uh, I'm 57, so Caroline's 58 or 59 now. She's a year and a half older than me, and she she has lupus right yep and you know the doctors basically told her let's see i wrote my book seven or eight years ago she had lupus a couple of years before that so let's say she's been living with it for 12 years right mm-hmm. doctors basically said look you know <clears throat> it's a diminishing return and it's just kind of a you know we can we have drugs and this and, that and the whole thing and it'll be just kind of a <clears throat> progressive thing until you hit the grave and you know it's on and on and on we're going to try to manage it and new drugs are going to keep coming out so as you get older you just keep getting different drugs and what have you right yep well she uh and this sounds like make this really makes me sound like a charlatan but who cares <laughs> she says look you know i'm I'm willing to make a deal with the devil what's this whole eat a lot of meat thing that you do and mm-hmm. eggs and all I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You and Chris come over, her husband. And I'll, I'll share, you know, let's go to dinner and then let's go to my house. I'll show you guys exactly what to do. And she goes, yeah, I, I, Chris, and then I said, no, you need to bring Chris because you won't hear everything I have to say. I need two of you here. Yep. So they came over and I convinced her to try it. Now, I'm going to turn the long story really, really short. Sure. That was maybe. 12, 13 years ago. It, it meant enough to me that I actually, out of all the people I wrote about it in my book, because she did have lupus, and uh, what the doctor said about six or eight months later to her after doing this was, okay, you still have lupus. We just can't find it anywhere in your blood, yeah. but you still have it. She's like, well, I'm not taking any medis- medication. They're like, yeah, it's going to come back, but you still have it. You never get rid of it. But you still, you know, you, you're just asymptomatic right now. Well, that's good and fine because this little five foot tall Italian woman has not stopped running at least two full length triathlons every year wow. somewhere in the world. Um, most of them are right here in the United States or Canada. But she's gone to Italy and Germany and everywhere else to hit, you know, the these 
long. And look, I mean, that means you're swimming 2.2 miles. That means you're riding a bike 112 miles, and then you're running a marathon right after. It's insane. And she does at least two long-distance ones every year, which means she's always in training. She bookends them on each end of the year. She also, and this is important, does a lot of half and sprint distance triathlons. There's a woman that was diagnosed with, hey, you got one foot in the grave and the other one's on a banana peel. Yep. Good luck. Here's some drugs. One of the things that concerns me about Carrie is the, according to her doctors, the lupus strain that she has is the one that causes kidney failure. And then right. add that to the fact that she drinks nothing but diet soda 24 hours a day except for the water when she's running. It's like you're kind of speeding up the clock there. And, and I'm, I've tried and I've struggled to get her off the diet soda. And I think you've even said, you know, and I know that there's been papers put out that said there's really no evidence that there's any potential weight loss from diet soda compared to regular soda. And I think you said that since with the artificial sweeteners and all the crap that they put in there that the regular soda is probably a little bit healthier for you than the diet is. Not that you want people drinking either one of them. I've always said that because, you know, sugar is sugar is the, the, the devil you know. You know, you know exactly what sugar is going to do. It's really yep. bad for you. But look, I started yelling about this. And now you got me onto something that just really drives me nuts. I started yelling about diet anything back in the 80s. Think about that. No mm -hmm. one was talking about it. Everybody was like, oh, my God, you can drink these diet soft drinks. No calories, none whatsoever. And I went, no, 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 no. These are chemicals, folks. We don't know what they're doing. I didn't know what they were doing at the time. But you, you can go back to New Orleans and find some of my old clients, and they will say, this guy was yelling about Diet Coke way back when you know he was way 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 you know saying yeah, just don't do this you know it's not good for you and i remember the first time i heard anyone say anything about it it was oprah uh she came out in the mid 90s going hey maybe diet cokes aren't so good for you um and that was the beginning of that yeah you know and and then she kind of went away because Oprah, will, you know, she she rides a horse in any direction it's going as long as she can make a dime. Absolutely. Right now she's telling everyone to eat bread or something. Um, I love bread. Bread. I love bread. <laughs> Anna Pacino does a really great imitation. I don't know if you ever listened to Yeah, I was listening to it yesterday a little. I stole the I love bread from her. I was listening to uh, your current episode yesterday. No, I've been listening to your podcast for about uh, six months now. Which, okay, so obviously you like it, or yeah. you, you really like to put yourself in pain. I'm not really sure which it is. No, I enjoy. I enjoy first and foremost. I love every time you're on Corolla show. But no, I I love your podcast. Like I said, I listen. To, I watch the documentary. And let, let's roll into that because you know, ironically, the people who tend to run things tend to you know go with the conventional flow of thought when it comes to diet and exercise. And so when you put out a documentary called Fat the Documentary. And you got people uh, who like to push veganism and everything else. You're kind of treading upstream. And uh, one of the things you notice is when you put out your uh, movie Fat the Documentary that even on Amazon, they kept putting it in different places. They put it under fiction or they put it on all these weird places almost if they're actively trying to hide it. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, you mentioned Adam Carolla. And um, I love that guy. Uh, without him, uh, you know, I was I was clipping along back when my my podcast used to get um, somewhere between four and five hundred thousand downloads a month. 
Sure. Yeah, half a million. And Adam had me on for the first time, I, I want to say like four years ago or something. And, you know, over those four years, we've increased to over a million downloads a month. And, and I think that's largely due to him. Um, and while and I, as a matter of fact, I don't know if you listen, but uh, I, I, I'm flying out to L.A. tomorrow and yeah. uh, I'll be I'm doing Dr. Drew's show and his show. Um this coming week. So you, folks, you guys check those guys out. They're, they're doing incredible work. And not to mention you have Gina on your show. What? Like every Sunday. Sorry. Yeah. Gina does all the Sunday schools. As a matter of fact, uh, I told you I had to go in an hour is because Gina and I are doing, we do four of them at a time. So we'll sure. be sitting here. From, Blow them out. And oh. you've really had a huge impact on her life, not only through weight loss, but she has grasped onto the NSNG lifestyle so much that she's launched her own website and uh, Instagram page of, what is it, guiltfreecomfortfood.com? I mean, she's really yeah, grabbed actually, that. Uh, no, let's say it right so she can get someone to go pay attention. It's called grainfreecomfortfood.com. Grainfreecomfortfood.com. And as always, go to failtofail.com. Find the post for this episode, and I'll have all the website links to Vinny, to um, Gina's page and all that. But, yeah, I mean, she's really grabbed onto that lifestyle and just runs with it. And it's fantastic to see the um, – one, the health benefits, but the fact that she's been able to expand her horizons with her, the things that she's doing simply by meeting you and going down that road. But let's talk a little bit about uh, Fat the Documentary, and it's well done, by the way. Uh, greatly, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, thank, thank you for saying that. Um, it, it, you know, look, I, I never, I'm not a film guy. Uh, I don't know how to make a film. Uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about this stuff, right? Sure. And you know, whenever these vegan propaganda movies would come out, like Forks Over Knives, or you know, uh, Cowspiracy, or you know, you know, any of this stuff, you know, people would go, "Man, you need to do the opposite movie of that." And I would go, "So you're asking me to lie in the opposite direction just <laughs> just because they're lying? Yep. Should I lie?" It's like, yeah you got to hit back fire with fire and you should make all espouse all the stuff about meat and eating meat and the whole thing. Like they're lying. Uh, uh, yeah. But wouldn't that make me just as bad as them? And I would get a lot of, yeah, but yeah, yep. but yeah, but yeah, but and I was like, yeah, I can't do that. And so, you know, we kept kind of looking at it and trying to figure it out. And then, um, you know, Peter Pardini, who had, he was just coming off of a big hit movie. Um, he was coming off of um, uh, the, the, a documentary about the band Chicago called Now More Than Ever. And um, he, he met me at the Adam Carolla show. Yep. You know, and he was like, hey, man, uh, you should do this movie. And I was like, oh, not you, too. He's like, oh, I've lost like 60 pounds listening to you. This stuff really works, and you need to do the movie. So Peter and I, long story short, we started talking. And, and uh, you know, I said, Peter, you know, I'll give you an idea. You know, I, I, I'm almost like a really bad Stallone movie. He came over one day, and he sat, and it was 105 degrees in my shed. Ugh. And I was pressing out some... Um, some shotgun shells and rifle bullets. And um, he was sitting there sweating his butt off trying to convince me to do this movie. And I was just sitting there listening. And uh, I said, I tell you what, uh, I'll do the movie, but uh, you know, I'm not telling any lies. I'm only going to tell the truth. As a documentary he, should be. 
Yeah, it was like, and he said, yeah, that, that's exactly what we're going to do here. I said, okay, we're on the same page, right? And by the way, I never thought the movie could get done. I said, okay, Mr. Smart Guy, where's the money going to come from to do said movie? <laughs> when Peter, I was like, Peter, where do we get the money from? And he says, oh, we'll crowdfund it. And I started smiling because I knew there was no way in hell that anyone would ever <laughs> give me a dime. Yep. And then I wouldn't have to, I would go, oh, yeah, all right, yeah, we'll crowdfund it. And Serena said to me later that evening, she goes, how did the meeting go with uh, Pardini? And I said, yeah, it's not going to happen. She goes, huh, what? I said, yeah, it, it's over. It's not going to happen. And she said, why? What happened? I said, this guy thinks we're going to crowdfund this. Yep. And uh, she was like, well, what's so funny about that? I said, honey, nobody's going to give me a dime. Yeah, I'm, come on. No one's going to give me a penny. And, plus and she was like, Okay, uh, well, let's see what happens. So we went out there and, and set up an Indiegogo, and we were asking for $150,000, which, again, as Corolla told me, he goes, ah, you're going to need like a quarter of a million. And I went, ah, I'm not going to even get the 150, so we're good. Yep. And uh, we ended up getting a quarter of a million. Nice. You know, we went way past what anyone thought we were going to get. And, um, and then I looked around and went, Shit, Shit, now, now we, I got to do this thing. Yeah. yeah I, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that to happen. I was just expecting it to to just kind of all go away. Yeah. That, that's what I wanted. But well, that didn't really happen. Well, to get a little bit of detail on the movie, one of the things that I found interesting, one, I'm 41 years old, so I remember being beat over the head with the uh, government food pyramid in elementary school. But as I told you when I reached out to you, I host multiple podcasts, and one of those podcasts is a World War II-based podcast called the What's the Scuttlebutt Podcast because I'm a World War II living historian. And in your documentary, you talk about the gentleman who came up with the food pyramid was actually the same guy who invented the K-rations during World War II, and that's part of the reason why the government listened to him when it came up with this food pyramid that everybody from the 70s and 80s were beat over the head with. And now in 2019, 2020, we're people like you and people who study health and diet realize that the food pyramid was completely upside down and backwards. Yeah, you know, Ansel Keys was, you know, just largely a bullet. You know, the, the, the K and K rations comes from Keys. And, um, you know, he, he was able to, he was very political and he was able to push any agenda he wanted to push at any time he wanted to push it. You know, so he just kind of got in there and said, hey, um, you know, we had a president who had a heart attack. Eisenhower had a heart attack. And everybody went, well, how did that happen? And and Keyes goes, he walks in and goes, I'll tell you how that happened. It was kind of like an old time movie. I'll tell you how it happened. See, the guy had too much meat. Uh. The part he didn't mention was that Eisenhower was a chain smoker. Yep. Literally you know, lighting one cigarette off, off the one he had in his mouth. He, he guy used basically one match a day and he wasn't, you know, today, if someone smokes a pack a day, we call that a heavy smoker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I was growing up, you know, heavy smokers were guys that, you know, had two, three packs a day, like 40 to 60 cigarettes. Right. Uh, it was, it was reported that 
this president had upwards of four packs a day. And let's keep in mind, people, that prior to, I think, 1953, all cigarettes were still filterless. And so Eisenhower, all throughout the war, was probably smoking four or five packs of Lucky Strikes a day, or if not Chesterfields, with no filter. And so, you know, that's straight tobacco, straight smoke. And going back to the World War II thing, when Keyes came in and says, I'll tell you how it happened, he ate too much red meat. Well, all the the entire population of the United States around that point, they all half the men were serving overseas, and they were, as far as they were concerned, Eisenhower was a hero. He won the war. He saved our ass. Now he's dead. We're all in mourning, and this guy's telling us how he died. Sure, let's listen to him and take his word for it. Right, and by the way, he didn't die from the heart attack. Uh, he he lived. Okay, and and they put him on a low fat diet. Yeah, Ansel Keys did that, and. Of course, they got him off his, I'm guessing they got him off his cigarettes or most of them or whatever. Down to two packs a day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a, a normal amount. But, you know, think about it. I mean, now we're at the, the rate where, uh, I remember I was with uh, my daughter, Tallulah. We were walking somewhere, and a guy was smoking a cigar. And she, like, we walked through his puff of smoke. This, she was probably 12 at the time. And she was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm like, what's wrong? Because I was enjoying the smell because it reminded me of my grandfather. Sure. You know, it's like, oh, this guy's smoking a cigar. It smells like my grandfather. I'm the same way with uh, pipe tobacco. It reminds me of my grandfather. Oh, look, I will follow a dude walking down the street smoking a pipe, and I have done. It's like, I'm going to follow this guy until it looks weird because (laughs) I want to keep smelling that pipe tobacco. It brings me back to my childhood. Right. Yep. But we walked through this this little plume of smoke. This guy was at a, a I think we were in Europe and this guy was at a cafe smoking. And she go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was like, Tallulah, what's wrong? I thought she had stuck a nail in her foot or something. Yeah. The way she was reacting. And she goes, that guy, I, I, I just got a big lung full of secondhand smoke. <sighs> and I was like, I said, honey, you're going to be OK. And she goes, how do you know? And I said, because when I was a kid. We went on road trips, windows up, everybody was smoking. Oh, no, my parents (laughs) never smoked. But I would go hunting with my my relatives. Yep. And they would pick me up like at 3.30 in the morning, you know, and we would be in the cab of a pickup truck. Now, you got to remember, a cab of a pickup truck does not look like a pickup truck today. Nope. You know, it's just a one bench seat and it was a little tiny thing. Single cab. yeah, exactly. And the windows would be rolled up and I would be stuffed between two grown men who the windows were up because it was wintertime and raining in Louisiana. And they were smoking cigars in the cab of the truck. Right? Not to mention the exhaust leak coming up through the cab from the bad catalytic converter. Oh, and, and by the way, the gas used to be in the cab with you. I don't yep. know if most people know that. Right underneath the seat. No, it was behind the seat. <laughs> so... The, the behind the seat was all this, you know, combustible liquid, yep. right? And you can actually, on an older truck, you can smell the fumes of the gas coming from that tank mm-hmm. in the truck. Old right? paper, old paper gaskets, not the uh, synthetic stuff we have now. Exactly. So you know, you're in this truck. You got gas fumes. You got two guys smoking like five cent cigars, you know, like King Edward cigars or something. And, you know, by the time I got out of the truck to start hunting, I was dizzy. <laughs> like, I don't know if I can handle this gun, you know, because I can't even walk. Right. Yep. Yeah. 
where's all the say I, I should have been dead from secondhand smoke by now right absolutely but i'm not and here i am with, with my daughter going oh I'm, I'm worried about dying later today because i just ingested some secondhand smoke and i'm like well i don't think one hit of it is going to get you <laughs> yeah exactly and a lot of that comes with the uh, you know all that propaganda they spread on TV. You know, you have the Truth Campaign who allegedly got all their money from tobacco, but now that smoke, now that they've succeeded and smoking's gone down, now they're switching all their advertisements to go towards the vaping community. Yeah, and I don't really know how that works. Like, none of it is healthy. If, if someone says, "Well, are you okay with smoking?" No, I'd rather see a smokeless society, except for the one guy walking down the street with his pipe. I, I would like that guy to remain. Yep, please. Um, but everyone else needs to go away. By the way, does anyone walk down the street with a pipe anymore? When was the last time you smelled pipe tobacco? Well, I'm the minority because I do World War II reenactments, and so there's usually one guy who's got the, uh, you know, his his pipe out there, but it's very, very seldom. Yeah, I, I you know, I have a bunch of pipes. Uh, a buddy of mine smoked until he died, and uh, he had you know, he had a collection of pipes, and his wife, uh, was a good friend of mine, gave me several of them. I probably have 20 or 30 of them. He probably had somewhere between 500 and 1,000 pipes. And um, a lot of people wanted some of his pipes, all of his friends, because we we only think of this guy yep. as a guy with a pipe in his mouth. And uh, I don't know how we got off on this. That's all right. Yeah. You know, the crazy thing is here in Florida, they just did the medical marijuana. They haven't done the whole, you know, do it as you wish. But as I run around my neighborhood at night, one of the things I've noticed now is about every two blocks, you'll smell somebody out the, on their back porch just burning one down. And, you know, before the medical marijuana thing passed, everybody was, you know, still riding dirty and hiding it and trying not to get the neighbors to call on them. But now it's like, okay, sit on your porch and just have at it. And you just smell it so much more now that it's uh, we have medical marijuana down here than you did prior to that. Well, you know, I, I think I told the story on the Corolla show. It's not a, Adam and I were talking about it. Um, I can't remember if I told the story on the show. Maybe I, I think I told him or Drew we were talking about this. But uh, before I moved to Virginia, I lived in Calabasas. And for anyone in the country, that's Kardashianville. Mm -hmm. That's where you're going to get your Will Smiths, your JLo's. You know, th these kind of people are there. You, you know, and um, so my buddy. We were out one night having a steak, and he goes, you're not going to believe what happened to me last week. And I was like, yeah, why? He goes, this guy smokes cigars, right? He goes, and by the way, this guy's very wealthy and lives in a wealthy neighborhood. He goes, I'm in the backyard throwing the ball with my kid and the whole thing. And he goes, I have a cigar. You know, it's like sitting on the side. I'm taking a couple of puffs here and there and the whole thing. I'm enjoying my family. The kids are in the pool and what have you. And the cop showed up. Uh, what happened? He goes, they came to the door. He goes, these guys are so embarrassed to have to do this. But they <laughs> said, sir, listen, we're sorry to, to do this, but it's illegal to smoke in Calabasas. That's insane. Not indoors in Calabasas. It's illegal to smoke in the city, city limits of Calabasas. Illegal. Yep. And he goes, okay, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. But why are you here? And that's when the cops got really embarrassed. They said, we have to we have to come because your neighbor called it in. So we were obligated. That's what the cops are doing in Calabasas, by the way. Yep. They're rolling on people who are smoking cigars. Now, 
if you walk through Calabasas because they've made pot legal in California, the whole place smells like an opium den. You know, people are vaping it, people are smoking spleefs, and people are, you know, just just out, you know, just out and proud. Yep. You know, smoking away. No problem. That's legal. Cigar, not so much. That's crazy. Uh, knock yourself out. It's crazy. Yeah. So, so to get it's some more information yeah. about how everything we've been raised and taught about the food pyramid, about your diet, cereal, don't even get us started on how word cornflakes came from. That was uh, <laughs> created in a mental institute to uh, stymie masturbation. But to find out all yeah. these great tips and plus much more on the truth about f- healthy fats, well, all fats, you're, you're famous for saying the problem with the word fat is it has the word fat in it. But to uh, find out more information, go to Amazon Prime Video and watch Fat the Documentary. Where else can people get that documentary? Uh, right now, um, and this is the crazy part. Right now, um, it, it was number one on iTunes when it first came out. And it stayed there for like several weeks, knocking off like Free Solo and all those top movies. We stayed there for a while. It turns out, as of yesterday, I don't know where it is today, but yesterday we, we had crept back up to number seven on iTunes. And this movie's been out since midsummer, mm-hmm. something like that. And it's now had like a second resurgence where it was like at number 80 something on iTunes. It's back at number seven. So it's trending again on Amazon where they kept hiding it and losing it and the whole thing. It, it, once a movie does a lot of business on Amazon, they move it to Amazon Prime. Yep. And it was like at when it first went to Prime, it was like a movie documentary, like 2000. Uh, as of yesterday, it could be up from that or b- below now. But as of yesterday, it was at number two of all documentaries streaming on Amazon. Uh, if you're on an airplane, if you're on uh, Alaska Airlines, uh, any of the airlines in Canada, I think Delta now, but don't quote me on Delta. I'll be on Delta tomorrow, so I'll let you know. Uh, Malaysian Airlines, a couple of other Chinese airlines. It's all over the world now on airlines, which is crazy because that means it's taken off. When airlines pick up your movie, that means it's taken off. Uh, My wife was on Alaska the other day, and now they have it as the recommended documentary. She took a screenshot of it and sent it to me, and I – I'm I'm shocked and and a, a bit humbled by what this movie's done. It's also on 60 different VODs around the world. So if you live in some third world country, you can get it. And it's also on Vimeo. Uh, so you can get it. If you can't get this movie, you're not looking for it. Now, we have, we have a few minutes left. And one of the things that I love about Vinny is the fact that he not only lives it, but whenever he finds something or he's looking for something that doesn't exist to at least to his standards, he says, fuck it. And he goes out and creates a business to produce the product that he himself is looking for. And one of those things is you were having issues with a lot of the fillers and the nonsense that come in a majority of the vitamins at your local pharmacies and that come off the shelf. And so you got together with some like-minded people and maybe perhaps people who knew a little bit more than you on the science side. And you started the pure vitamin club and um, I'm looking at your advertisement here, talking about no fillers, no paints, no sand. I wasn't aware that a lot of people were putting sand in their vitamins. Yeah, they call it silica, but silica is sand. Um, they would also put titanium dioxide, which is uh, the ingredient used to make white paint white. <laughs> um, 
and, and nanoparticles, it causes um, it causes colon cancer to humans. Uh, they also, most of them, as an excipient of flow agent, uses magnesium stearate. I know you're hearing, oh, wait, magnesium is good for you, but magnesium stearate blocks the absorption of other nutrients in your liver. So if you ever notice you take their vitamins and your pee turns like a fluorescent kind of yellowy, mm-hmm. greenish color. That's because all of the uh, B vitamins that you took in that product got flushed right out. Your body never absorbed it. So you might as well just it, d- dump the bottle into the toilet to begin with. Yeah, yeah you, you skipped the middleman. Or just um, burn the money that you spent on it. So, yeah, I went down that road and uh, everyone – I used my book money to start the vitamin company. And every every businessman I spoke to said only put as much money into this project as you want to lose. Uh, the company just went past this fifth year. Um, it, it does incredibly well. Uh, uh, people have offered, you know, bigger companies have offered to absorb it and buy it. And I could have sold out to those companies a gazillion times by now. The problem is they'll just go and change mm-hmm. the formula. Absolutely. Make it cheaper so, so they can make more money off of it. Exactly. So I've kept it to myself all this time. Um, and uh, so the vitamin company does well. Um, same with coffee. Well, I was, was going to ask you about that. I'm, I'm almost afraid to ask you what the hell is in normal coffee that prompted you to go out and create a coffee that met your palate and your standards. What, what? I'm afraid to ask, but what should we be afraid of in normal over-the-shelf coffee? We want to get you on Starbucks because I don't have a time to bring you down from that tirade. But what, uh, what's in our normal coffee that turned you off the fact that you wanted a better tasting coffee? In a word, nothing. Um, but the coffee comes in three levels and I've always been somewhat of a coffee guy. So, you know, my friends call me a connoisseur. I think connoisseur is a strong word. Um, but I've always loved coffee and, uh, I, you know, it's, uh, it's a, it's a health drink. It's actually the healthiest thing you could drink besides water. It, it, I, it's above tea when it comes it's the, it's the number one drink in the world after water, even above tea. But that's if and you drink coffee, it black and not pour in a bunch of syrup and vanilla cream right, or bullshit. Right, right, right. I'm talking about just pure coffee. So, you know, you have your low-end coffees, uh, brands like uh, Ubon or you know, Folgers. They're selling you, you know, crappy low-end Arabica beans and low to middle-end uh, Robusta beans mixed together to come up with something that tastes like ditch water. Uh, <laughs> and then you have, you know, second tier coffee these are your peats and your starbucks and they're basically burning the crap out of it to make it taste you know they're trying to get to a middle ground of hey this is just good enough but if you saw what i put out on instagram today um igtv uh i did uh, a thing on, on starbucks and i said look you know we think it's a coffee shop, but it's the number two fast food restaurant in the United States. And now it's basically an ice cream parlor. I think they sell more iced versions of their drink than they do black coffee. It's essentially oh, oh, an ice absolutely. cream parlor. That's no question. Think, think about what I just said. They're number two behind McDonald's yep. in fast food in the country. So they're not even a coffee shop. Um, and their coffee is kind of sucky. Look, if you're on the road, uh, and by the way, truck stops have gotten much better than mm-hmm. um, Starbucks. They, they've upped their coffee game. So you get good stuff at truck stops now over Starbucks. And then there's what's called third wave coffee. And that's that's the level we play in. We're buying, you know, we're vying for position and buying the best beans on the market from around the world. 
So I have to go out and buy these every year, the green beans, and have them shipped. And then, and then the rest of it is my interpretation of what I think these coffees should taste like. Uh, I, I'm the roast master. You know, I come up with roast. Go on. Yeah, I'm here. It's just your, your Skype is breaking up a little bit. You're still here. Okay. So I roast the coffee to my interpretation of what it should be. And we put out, uh, we put out four different, uh, you know, either straight coffees or blends. And we have a coffee of the month where I bring in these really special coffees from around the world. And each one stays around for about six weeks or until we run out. And then we put out the next one. Um, so it, it, it's fun. I've been having fun with the coffee thing. And as long as it doesn't lose money for me, I'm fine. Um, it draws a, a nice little profit. You know, it'll never be a, a big thing, but it, it's a nice little profit. And it's enough for me to say, hey, I could keep having fun doing this. His name is Vinny Tortoridge. I know we covered a lot of ground and went all over the place. If you want to get more information on Vinny, please go to VinnyTortoridge.com. That's Vinny with an I-E, not a wiki Y, as Vinny likes to say. Um, also, go out there on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere fine podcasts are found, and look for his uh, Fitness Confidential. Uh, what is your podcast? Is is it Fitness Confidential, or is it uh, – I know when they – I know when Dawson intros it, it's – Fitness Confidential with Vinny Tortoise. What is the exact name of your podcast, Vinny? It is. It's called Fitness Confidential Podcast. If you just put my name into iTunes, it'll, it'll pop up. Well, the movie might pop up too, but it's Fitness Confidential Podcast. It's been around. We've done, we're, we're right at 1,500 shows now. We do five shows a week, and we have done for the past seven years. Um, like I said, you know, the show gets a little north of a million downloads a month. Um, so it's one of the bigger podcasts out there, certainly in the, in the fitness field. Um, and we just enjoy doing it. You know, uh, I'll, I'll just keep doing it as long as people will keep listening. And if you're going to be in Austin, Texas, around June 12th through the 14th, go see Vinny at KetoCon. It's in Austin, Texas. Use the promo code Vinny when buying your tickets. And you're having, I don't want to call it meet and greet, but I guess they're going to have breakout rooms where people can actually come and meet you. Yeah, um, last year um, I did. I, I, uh, Crowd Cow was a sponsor of mine last year, and, and I did their breakout room. And um, they said, "Hey, there was a lot of people who wanted to get in that room just to meet you. And would you do a breakout room this year?" And I said, "Sure." And they said, "Well, we have to limit it somehow, so only the people that put in promo code Vinny uh, will get to get in there, because otherwise it would just be." You know, they have 4,000 people that are going to be at that event, and you can't sure. have more than 150 or 200 people or something like that in a breakout room. So that's filling up fast. So go check that out so that you can get in. And I'll be in there. Um, Anna Vocino, my co-host from the Monday show, who's arguably more popular than I am with, with my brand, and she's put two books out there, Eat Happy and Eat Happy 2. Uh, they're cookbooks. And my wife, who is the famous one in the group, um, Serena Scott Thomas, will also be in the breakout room. So you come in, hang out with me and Serena and Anna, and uh, we'll all be there. Vinny, thank you so much for your time. And uh, keep grinding and keep doing all the great things that you're doing and helping out as many people as you've been helping. And here's to a very successful 2020. Don, thank you for having me on. Thank you. This has been a Digital 410 production. <laughs>